0: Well, again, good morning. Good morning and welcome, whether you're with us in person or online. My name is George Davis, and as you can tell, this is a little different Sunday. It's not every Sunday I get to speak between two large rubber duckies. And uh, so uh, we are excited uh, this week to launch Crew, our Kid Steps, really exciting week. And I want to begin just by saying thank you to many of you who've already been a part of the preparation or gathering supplies. And many of you are going to be serving this week. Uh, we've got a little over 200 kids that are going to be part of uh, our Kids Step week. This includes kids from our church, but also kids from our community. So it's a great opportunity to build bridges over the next few days with other families in our community. So a, few, a little over 200 kids. Our preschool is actually full. We still have some space in our elementary if you've got kids that would like to be a part of that. And in addition to those 200 plus kids... Over 140 volunteers. So I wanna say thank you. And if you're gonna be involved in any way uh, in kids steps, really exciting week or you've already been a part in the helping the preparation, would you stand now? I'd just like to say thank you. We've got some people in our church uh, who are gonna be a part would you help me say thanks? And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to uh, I'm gonna ask you to remain standing just for a moment so that we can we can pray and really commission this week as we get started tomorrow so father we do thank you for the opportunity to kind of work with these kids and their families and and even build bridges into the community i thank you for those people who are going to be a part of this who are going to be working with our kids and in a variety of ways thank you for those that have been involved in the construction and preparation for this week and and all that has gone into it already, and we, we commit this time to you. We pray for the conversations. We pray that as kids are really learning of the kind of bigness of who you are and what you're doing, there'll just be an openness to the work of the good news of Jesus Christ, and we look forward to hearing what those stories entail, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you. You can be seated. Now, in addition to uh, the people that are going to be helping and working, there really is a way for us to be involved as a church family, even if you're not going to be here during the week, and that is to pray for the activities and events of the week. So if you didn't get one of these prayer cards as you came in, I hope you'll get one on your way out. Each day has a prayer prompt for you, and I encourage you to do what we're going to do. We're just going to stick it on the fridge, and that will remind us each day to be intentional in praying for all that's taking place here at Hershey Free Church. So thanks for being a part of that. If you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to join with me in turning to Proverbs chapter 1. As we really launch into summer, we're launching into a summer message series that's going to be in the book of Proverbs. And the series is entitled Wisdom for Life. Now, as we began, I I wanted to ask you this question, because many of us maybe we've already been thinking about summer we've launched into summer you've got summer travel plans I've even talked between services to people who've already been traveling this summer so here's my question what would what would make this a really meaningful summer for you what would make this a really meaningful summer for you Maybe you're a student and you would say, you know what, what's great about summer is I don't have to think about projects or homework, so as long as I don't have to think about any of that, that's, this is going to be a great summer. Maybe you're already thinking about travel, you've got certain travel plans, and you would say, you know, what's going to be great about summer is if that just all goes according to plan. I look forward to being at the beach, and we do that every year, and so that's going to be meaningful for me. And in our situation, this this really has turned into a summer of family milestones. It started last weekend in Seattle as our oldest son became engaged. And yeah, and she said yes, and we're you know, and we like her. And yeah, we're really we are really excited about that. In fact, I joked with my son, you know, if this doesn't work out, we're keeping her. So uh, <laughs> you know, so that's kind of how our how our summer starts, but kind of in God's providence, as we move through the summer, in in a few weeks, we're actually going to gather again as family, an extended family, to celebrate my parents' 60th wedding anniversary, and then hopefully later in the summer, we'll have that first family vacation with our future daughter-in-law. So if you ask me, you know, this question, what's going to make this summer meaningful for you, it's going to be this meaningful family time so there are different ways we can answer this question in terms of what would make the summer meaningful and what i want to do this morning really all i want to do this morning is is add one thing to your list for the summer and that is this what if what if this were summer this was a season in your life where you grew in wisdom What if in a few years you were able to look back at this kind of, you know, this summer and you were even able to say, you know, here's, this was a season which a couple of things really came together for me. This was a season in which several just factors in terms of how to live well, those factors came into play in a meaningful way. What if, what if this were a summer in which you grew in wisdom? (laughs) Now realize you might be saying, okay, George is great, we're going to be doing this Proverbs series over the next few weeks. That's fine, but you know what? My summer's already planned, right? All I need is that week at Myrtle Beach. That's really all I need. I don't need you to add anything to my schedule. It's great you're going to be doing this, but don't don't ask me to do anything else. And I I get that. And you know, the interesting thing is, I, I, I actually think the book of Proverbs anticipates that kind of response, because one of the things the book of Proverbs does at different points in the book is this, it confronts us with how valuable wisdom truly is. It confronts us with the idea that, you know, getting wisdom is really a life or death matter, whether you realize it or not. So for instance, in, uh, in chapter four of Proverbs, we read these, these words, wisdom is more profitable than silver and yields better return than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare to her. It's almost like the the author of Proverbs looks you in the eye and says, look, I know you love Myrtle Beach. You know, I know that's going to be, I hope that's a great week for you. And there's just something invigorating when you get into the water. And I realize how important that is to you. But let me ask you this. Are you also, are you also growing in wisdom? Do you you realize how important this really is? And and that's the the invitation of this book. Proverbs says, look, are, are you growing in your understanding of how to live well? Because if you're not, you may be developing ways of interacting and living that are actually destroying your life. So this book is all about gaining wisdom. And we see that in the opening part of the book, sometimes referred to as the prologue. Notice, notice all the clauses that begin with the word for, because they, they're getting at purpose or intention. You know, here's, here's the reason this book is being written. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. So this this book is all about gaining wisdom. Now in a real sense, I think it's important to understand that in its original context, the book really was written to train and educate the young to train those who would be serving, uh, you know, in, in significant ways in Israel, to train them when they are young. Yet there are clues in the book that, while it, it's, it's in a real sense written to those who are young, that the message of the book is actually applicable to everyone at any life stage. So, for instance, you'll notice in what we just read, there's, there's, there's a recognition that This book is about giving knowledge and discretion to the young, but it also says, let the wise listen and add to their learning. And so in reality, whatever your season, whatever your circumstances, whatever your stage of life, this book has a message for you. Now I realize sometimes, we maybe we get put off a little bit when we talk about wisdom, because for some of us, when we think about wisdom, we kind of associate it with maybe people who've done a lot of education, we associate it with you know, academics with people that are really able to communicate ideas in kind of a complicated or thoughtful way. Well, you know, wisdom is all about being smart, and, and maybe you'd say that's, you know, I'm more of a hands-on person, that's not really me. And, and however, if, if that's your perspective, um, you need to understand the Bible has a, a different, different understanding of wisdom. In fact, I, I would tell you, over the course of my life, I've spent a lot of time in academic circles, and at times I've met some really smart people who were not wise. So what are we talking about when we talk about biblical wisdom? There are different ways to define it, but here's how I, here's one of, uh, one of the helpful definitions that I really like. When we talk about biblical wisdom, it, it simply means this. Wisdom is living well in God's world. Right? It's learning to live well in God's world. And of course, this involves the recognition of who God is and an understanding that we live in a world that He has created. And and because it is His world, there is a design to it. And so wisdom is all about learning to live according to that design, not against it. It's about learning to live well in relationship to God and others. Learning to live in a way that promotes wholeness. What the Bible talks about it in terms of shalom, that is, things fitting together. And the argument of Proverbs is this, you're either on this path of developing wisdom or you're not. And if you're not on the path of wisdom, you're on the path of foolishness. There there really are no other options. So wisdom is, is about developing skills for life. Many of you, you've developed different kinds of skills in the marketplace and what you do. Some of you've developed hobbies, and with that has come a certain sort of skill. And the idea of wisdom is, in a similar way, developing skills for living well, living well in the world that God has created. And, and there are different dimensions to what wisdom looks like, and if you pay attention as you read the book of Proverbs, you'll see kind of these different aspects of wisdom. So on the one hand, one dimension of wisdom is, is really knowledge, Right? And so even as you read the opening part of Proverbs, the, the author says, that, you know, I want to give you certain knowledge about how life works and the way life is designed to work. So there's, there is a knowledge component, an information component to wisdom, but that's not the whole story. Wisdom isn't simply about mastering a set of facts because furthermore, wisdom involves what is sometimes referred to as discretion. There's a term, um, there's a term in Proverbs, sometimes Translated as discretion, but it it gets to the idea of discernment. And what this means is wisdom isn't simply knowing certain information, certain facts about how the world is designed and created, but it's also learning how to apply that information in your particular life circumstances. And part of the way Proverbs is written, it's written in such a way to help you think about implying the truth, applying the truth that you are learning along the way. And so Proverbs encourages an understanding of wisdom that entails knowledge, it entails discernment, and ultimately it leads to action. Right? Again, remember what we just read in the prologue, that someone who is wise acts in a manner that is right and just and fair. And we see those three terms used together at several points in the book. So the the idea is, you know what, When, when you... As you are developing wisdom, you're getting an understanding of kind of how God has designed the world to work, and you're learning how to apply that. That leads to certain kinds of tangible acts. It just affects the way you gauge others, you engage your circumstances, you engage your work in an everyday way. And so in in the real sense, Proverbs is just learning how to live well. That's what wisdom is about. Learning to live well in the world that God has created. That's the invitation of this book. And so the question then is, um, if that's the invitation, <laughs> why take this seriously? Again, you've already, got, you've already got all this other stuff, right? Plan for the summer, and maybe, and maybe part of your plan is just to slow down. So why, why do we need to take seriously what we're talking about here on Sundays? Well, I think, I think the book actually gives several answers to this question. I think one of the reasons we need to take Proverbs seriously is this. We need to take it seriously because we live in a moral universe. We live in a moral universe. Now, I realize sometimes, here's what happens. People read Proverbs, and they kind of treat it like, you know, like a self-help tool, right? Here's, Here's some good advice just to help you kind of run your life on your own. But if that's the way you read Proverbs... That's a misunderstanding of how the book is shaped and framed and and the intent of the book, because underlying all of Proverbs is the recognition, you know know what, this is the world that God has created. There's an intentional design to it. We live in in a moral universe that has purpose and meaning. And as a result, there's a way to live well in that. For instance, in in different ways, the book will highlight the character of of God's work and the way God is working in the world. And you're you're invited to go along and be a part of what he is doing. And so the, the book argues that a right relationship with God is really the foundation to living well. Now, of course, at this point, I think this is a natural place to push back because you can say, yeah, but George, let's be honest, life doesn't always go according to plan. And that's true. Because we also have to acknowledge, even though this world bears God's design, it is a world that has been invaded, twisted, distorted by the presence of sin, brokenness, and rebellion. And so at times you'll read some of the Proverbs, and it kind of, it, you may read it kind of as, well, if you do this, good things are going to happen. And you will say, you know what, I tried that, and good things didn't happen. And I think this is part of the beauty of Scripture, is that not only do we... <laughs> Have you noticed this? Not only do we have Proverbs, but we also have the books of Ecclesiastes and Job. Books that remind us, hey, by the way, there's a mystery to life, and sometimes it gets complicated in ways you didn't expect. Books that remind us that if you approach life with A plus B always equals C, life just isn't going to work that way. And if you misread Proverbs that way, it's important to pay attention to Ecclesiastes and Job. Nonetheless, Proverbs still stands for us as a reminder that even in this brokenness, there, there is a design to what God has created, and there is wisdom in living according to that design. So I think it's important to pay attention to this book because we live in a moral universe. Furthermore, I think we, we need to pay attention to this w- uh, book because wisdom is available to all. Interestingly, as you read Proverbs, in different different parts of the book, wisdom is presented as a person. The concept of wisdom is personified, usually as, interestingly, a woman, as lady wisdom. And so you kind of build to the climax of the first part of the book, which comes in chapter 9, and there's this fascinating imagery of lady wisdom, and she's built this amazing home, she's built this beautiful home, And in this beautiful home, she is now throwing an extravagant banquet with all the wonders of entertainment that you can imagine being served on this table. Just a a luscious banquet. And, And she is inviting people in. Right? She's inviting people in. Look, the table has been set. The meal is prepared. Come into my home. Leave your simple ways. Join me at the table. It's this very powerful image. And and part of the purpose of that kind of imagery in the book is to say to you and to say to me, look, wisdom is available to all. I mean, this invitation, this invitation applies to you. It applies to me. Whatever your background, whatever your life stage, whatever your strengths and weaknesses, whatever your abilities and limitations... You can grow in wisdom. When I, when I think about the invitation of Proverbs, just the way that, you know, Proverbs is always inviting us in, I think about a friend of mine who lives in another part of the country. And, and if you heard his story, there are parts of his story that would possibly bring you to tears because just the, the family background and the kind of elements of that background are really disappointing and painful. There was abuse in his background, and partly as a result of that, there are just certain learning challenges that he has. He's about my age, and, and yet one of the realities is he's never been able to hold a job, for instance, that would require any level of computer proficiency or computer skills, and obviously that's kind of limited the things that he's been able to do. But here's what I would say to you if you ask me if you ask me to compose a list of the wisest people that I know he, he would be very high on that list now understand if you you know he doesn't he doesn't have this world class resume there's nothing on, on his cv that's going to wow you furthermore if you talk to him just if you just had a basic conversation you wouldn't necessarily walk away going going you wouldn't walk away going this is a really impressive guy None of that. But I would tell you, this guy is actually one of the wisest people I know. Why? Well, you know, he's got this really disappointing, challenging, painful background. But unlike some people, he, he hasn't gotten stuck in the implications of some of what he's gone through. Unlike some people, he hasn't simply become a person who looks back on that with a deep sense of anger and rage at some of the things that he's experienced. And what has happened is his own way as a follower of Christ, he's really learned how to kind of navigate life circumstances well. Furthermore, he's he's developed kind of his own quirky way of being for people and investing in others. Every year we get his Christmas letter and there are pictures in the letter and things he's doing with other people, but just ways he's kind of invested in other people in significant opportunities. And the, the truth is in his life, he has learned to live well in the world that God has created. And, and even, even as <laughs> that's true in his life, that, that really can be true in your life and mine. So wisdom says, look, I've prepared the table. The meal is here. Come in from the cold. Come in from maybe the ways you have gotten stuck on the path of foolishness. Come in from the ways in which you've gotten stuck in unhealthy ways of Interacting with God and others. Have a seat at my table. So I think we need to take this invitation seriously because wisdom is available to all. And and, and thirdly, I think we need to take this invitation seriously because if we're not shaped by wisdom, if we're not shaped by wisdom, we will be shaped by something else. As you read Proverbs, you will notice the book implies that that life is a journey and that you and I, we're, were, on some particular path. You're on some type of path. And if you're not on the path of wisdom, you are on a different path. If you're not on the path of wisdom, you are on a path where you're, you're being shaped by other things, by other types of priorities, beliefs, and values. And ultimately, it is the path of foolishness You're moving in one direction or the other, and at times the book really kind of paints life with this very stark contrast. For instance, if you continue reading uh, the prologue, you come to that famous verse, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Do you hear the contrast? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There's one path, there's one trajectory that you may be on, but but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And there's the other trajectory. There's the other path. And there there really is no middle ground here. Furthermore, Proverbs seems to imply that the longer you are on the, the wrong path, the more hardened you become in unhealthy behavior. The longer you are on the wrong path, the more hardened you become in unhealthy patterns of acting, behaving, and relating. So hopefully these factors encourage you to see we need to take we need to take the message of this book seriously. And if that's the case then then how do we engage this book well? Right? What is it what does it look like for us to engage Proverbs well? Well, let me me just make a couple of observations and we'll learn other things along the way as we go through different topics in this book. But let me start with these two observations. First, understand that Proverbs are general observations about life, okay? So as you read this collection of Proverbs, understand that what you're reading are general observations about life. This is important to understand. They're not promises, they're not guarantees. They don't deal with all the possible exceptions. Rather, they are general observations about life. And Proverbs, are, they're often written um, in a very memorable way with concrete imagery. And I think the goal is to kind of, the goal is for you to, to chew on them, really to reflect on them, to enter into the proverb and the imagery. So that you engage the truth that is being communicated and, and the goal for you is really to enter into the proverb and then begin to process well what might this look like in my life? What, what might this have to do with my life? So let me, let me just kind of give you an example of this uh, with one of my favorite proverbs. This is Proverbs twenty five twenty eight. Like a city whose walls are broken through or broken down is a person who lacks self-control. So it's, the right, it's an image of a city with outer walls, and the walls have been broken or they're broken down, and and the proverb says that that kind of situation is like a person who lacks self-control. Now, arguably, part of the reason I've always enjoyed this uh, proverb is that when I was 17, uh, actually 40 years ago this summer, I spent part of the summer working on an archaeological dig in northern Israel. Uh, This is a picture from that site. It's a place called Tel Yochneam. And what you're looking at are the Iron Age city walls of that city. And during that summer, much of what I did was excavate these walls to uncover these walls. And interestingly, these walls are about 3,000 years old, and they really go back to the era in which the book of Proverbs is written. So let's, let's just kind of enter into the image. Let's kind of kind of enter into this proverb, right? So like a City whose walls are broken through. Now think about that for a moment. And and as you look at this picture of these walls, ask yourself this question. Why were these walls built in the first place? I mean, you just look at them, you realize a lot of effort went to constructing this large outer casement wall around this site. Why did they go to the, all the effort? Well, they went to all the effort because they, they had a realistic understanding of the dangers and the threats that awaited them outside. There was a recognition that at any moment, right, our city, our community could be attacked by an external force, by an enemy, by another, uh, you know, another national group. And so we needed to be prepared. So the, the walls were built because of the recognition of external threats the recognition that life could get complicated. And I think that truth is embedded in this simple proverb. Because when, when the proverb gives us this imagery of a city wall being broken through, I think the, the underlying recognition is, you know, life will get complicated. At, at times, you will experience Threats and dangers and pressures. I mean, that's why the city walls were built in the first place. And, 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 and the imagery of this proverb, the concrete imagery, is tying into that reality. So then the question is this. When that happens to you, when life does what life will do, the question is, how will you respond? And you see, this, this is where we begin to tap into the the wisdom of this proverb, the the truth of this proverb, because what the proverb is getting at is this. In in those moments when you feel the pressure, in those moments when life gets complicated, when you feel the danger, when you feel the threats, a key to your response needs to be this, self-control. That's what the proverb is getting at. In those situations, it is absolutely vital that you respond with self-control. And if we're honest, we, we know situations where maybe that hasn't been central to our response. Right, for some of us, when we feel the pressure when we feel the threat when we feel the danger our mind gets caught in an endless loop of maybe what ifs and you know our mind we just constantly allow our mind to race with all the probabilities or all the things that could get further complicated and, and we may become immobilized we may become immobilized into a place of inaction we may become immobilized by anxiety and fear for others of us maybe in that moment of stress and pressure what we end up doing is allowing the rage and the anger just to boil towards those perhaps who've had a part in the situation that we are experiencing. And we may express that in unhelpful ways. And what what the author is saying is if those kinds of responses become how you engage pressure points, your, your walls have been broken through your your walls are broken down and of course in the context of proverbs that you know this this self-control this self-discipline that's being described here begins kind of in, in in a place where it's grounded in our relationship with god so then in the context of that relationship instead of kind of moving off into unhealthy responses when i hit those pressure points i'm i'm able to kind of reflect and say okay in light of who i am in light of who god is what What's the next step for me to handle this? What's a wise step that I can take? Who can help me in that? And, and do you, so do you see kind of what, what Proverbs is doing, right? It's making a, a general observation about life that really, that really invites us in to explore the truth and then to wrestle with, okay, so what does this look like in my life? So I think that is... That's one thing that we need to keep in mind as we we work through the Proverbs. Just the reality there, general observations about life, observations that invite us in. One other just opening comment that I really want to make as we get started is this. I think Proverbs reminds us of our agency and our responsibility. Proverbs reminds us of our agency and our responsibility. Here's what I mean by that. First, let's talk about the issue of agency. Isn't it the case, you know, sometimes, (laughs) sometimes as we kind of, we're, we're dealing with life and life circumstances, isn't it the case sometimes we really just focus on the parts of our lives that are beyond our control? Maybe we're people that kind of pay attention to politics, government, or we, you know, we're dealing with certain things in the economy, look at the price of gas. We think about cultural trends or things going on in the entertainment world. And we, do, we kind of just see some of the negativity in those topics. And all of it's beyond our control. So maybe we become those people that whenever other people are with you, your, your, your thoughts, your conversation gets, kind of goes to complaining about all those other factors. And if you're honest, so much of what you complain about is stuff that's beyond your control. And Proverbs just kind of reminds us, whoa, 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 whoa. Be careful about doing that. Don't lose sight of the fact that every day you are making choices, and every day as you are making choices, you are making choices that will influence the path of your life. Proverbs reminds us that we have agency. Furthermore, not only only does Proverbs remind us that we have agency. I think Proverbs also reminds us that we have responsibility. And the expectation of Proverbs is this. It's really twofold. I think the expectation is, first of all, we are to grow in wisdom. And, and Proverbs implies you can do that at whatever life stage. But not only are we to grow in wisdom, we are also responsible to pass it on. This is one of the reasons I'm excited we're starting this series right as we're starting Crew Week because this right? This is a week in which we're wanting to invest in kids and invest in helping see the wonder of who God is, the wisdom of who God is. And so uh, I love the correlation between this series and what we're doing this week. And with this idea of uh, passing it on, let me, can I just speak to those of us who are parents for a second? Again, as you, as you, as you read the book of Proverbs, you may note that the first section, particularly the first nine chapters, reads a little differently than the rest of the book. The first nine chapters includes longer speeches, longer sections. Some of these are speeches from a father to his son. Some are speeches from Lady Wisdom, who is speaking into uh, our understanding of what wisdom is. And even as there are speeches from a father to his son, there are also references to mothers and their involvement in passing on wisdom. I think there are 14 references to mothers in the book of Proverbs. So there's this parenting emphasis. And if you're a parent, you can't can't read this book without noticing, I've I've got a responsibility in this. I've, I've got a responsibility to kind of seek to develop wisdom, but also to pass it on to my kids, to have conversations about, okay, so what, is, what does this look like to live wisely? And, and I just want to encourage you, particularly if you've got kids at home, to take advantage kind of in age-appropriate ways of talking about this, even as we go through this series. In a moment, I'll, I'll kind of give you a couple of action steps. And, and so I think that these are action steps you can even take in a family context. So as... Um, as we think about getting into this book, let's, let's be aware that this book is telling us we have agency and we have responsibility. And since we have that responsibility, let me kind of close by giving you two action steps, right? So how can, how can we kind of engage this series and engage this book as we go through it? Again, we're going to be going through this book over nine weeks. We're going to be looking at different topics, different skill sets that the book gives us, from communication to friendship to marriage to work to family, and kind of seeing the different ways Proverbs says, in this area of your life, here's what it looks like to live well. So as we go through that series, here are a couple of action steps that you can take. First of all, you can just get into the pattern of reading the book. You may be aware of this, 31 days, right in a month, or most months, and 31 chapters in Proverbs. So one of the ways you can kind of engage Proverbs is to to read the chapter that corresponds to that day of the month. So you could start today reading chapter 12, tomorrow reading chapter 13. I realize you're not starting at the beginning of the book, but in doing that over the course of this series, you would end up reading through the book uh, at least two times. So one of the ways you can kind of become familiar with Proverbs is just by reading through the book and in kind of an intentional rhythm like that and as you do that you're going to start to know recur- note recurring themes you're going to start to see kind of how different proverbs even kind of play off one another so that's one of the action steps you can take but let me also highlight that each week we are going to be highlighting a particular passage and included in that passage even a verse or a small group of verses that you can memorize so As you come in, if you pick up a copy of the sermon notes on the back, you'll find a devotional guide that will highlight a part of the book. And and we've got just a set of questions that you can do different days of the week just to kind of help you begin engaging the Proverbs that we are looking at and kind of chewing on them and entering into them so that you can begin wrestling with, okay, so what does this look like in my life? So uh, this week, even as we start, uh, here's the... Proverb that we're going to look at: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, kind of the questions that you can use, you'll find on the devotional guide. We'll make that available in paper copy when you're here on Sundays, and you can find that online at hfcinfo.com as well. So, if you want to access these questions electronically, you can do that. But let's just let's just kind of take let's just do this one more time and kind of just chew on this proverb for a minute and, and think through this. Now, uh, this language for many of us is, is very familiar, but often misunderstood, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Elsewhere in the book, it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And of course, uh, that, that language of fear of the Lord kind of communicates the idea of awe, of reverence, of respect. It's an understanding of the wonder of who God is. And of course, throughout the book, this is, this is what Proverbs says it's foundational. This is where wisdom starts. This is where wisdom is rooted. It is now, it's rooted in the fear of the Lord. This is where we need to start if we're going to learn to live well, understanding who God is. And interestingly, the New Testament then builds upon that theme because when you get to the New Testament, Jesus is presented as the ultimate manifestation of God's wisdom even echoing imagery from the book of Proverbs. And and thus, the the true wisdom of God, the wisdom for living well, is rooted in a relationship with God made possible through Jesus Christ. The true wisdom for living well is rooted in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus. So let let me just kind of then begin to kind of wrestle with this verse and reflect on it personally. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now think about this, for some of us, are are you in a place maybe now where maybe you're entering a new season of life or something in your life has changed, changed at work, changed in your family, and you're now trying to navigate that or... Maybe you're dealing with a big decision that you're going to have to make at some point, or you're doing some long-range planning and you're trying to figure that out. or Maybe there's a particular obstacle that you're trying to navigate, something in your family, and it's kind of commanding a lot of your emotional bandwidth now. If you're in any of those situations, think about the first part of this verse. Because part of what Proverbs is challenging us to see is, okay, as you wrestle with that decision, as you wrestle with this new responsibility, then do so in the context of understanding who God is in your relationship with him. Let me just use myself, right? I mean, later this year, I'm, I'm going to become an in-law. Become one of those people. Rose and I, we're entering a new season. Now, we've gotten a lot of advice on how to do this well. Most of it entails just shutting up. And, right? I've been told that, There's what you need to do. Be quiet, okay? And... Uh, but, you know, this, this is, and I've already started thinking about, okay, so how, how, do, how do we do this well? How do I do this well? Even, you know, as our son was getting engaged last weekend and we spent time with him, you know, I kind of started this conversation with my future daughter-in-law. And I can kind of think through that, okay, how am I going to manage, you know, how do I do this well? How can I be for them? What does that look like? What are the changes that are now taking place in my relationship with my son? I can kind of think through all that, but, but what this proverb is telling me is, you know, as you go through that process, do not lose sight of the fact that all of this needs to be shaped by my relationship with God, right? All of this needs to be shaped by the fear of the Lord. And, and that's where wisdom and being an in-law begins. So for instance, my, my ability to apologize when I will need to apologize because I say the wrong thing or I overstep a boundary I shouldn't have overstepped, which will come, my ability to apologize and handle those situations well needs to be ultimately rooted in the fear of the Lord and the, and the recognition, you know, I'm now in relationship with God, I've been forgiven and that empowers me to forgive and ask for forgiveness. So you see, as I wrestle with this verse, I begin to understand that in the issues that I'm facing as I try to strategize, make decisions, that needs to be shaped by my relationship with God. And then I get to the back half of this verse. And isn't it funny in churches, it feels like we never talk about the back half. We talk all the time about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We don't always talk about the back half of these statements. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. And when I begin to chew on that, i I begin to wrestle with that, I think I have to come to grips with this question. Are there, are there places in my life, God, where I'm, I'm simply blowing through your wisdom? Are there, are there places in my life where even now I'm just disregarding your wisdom and your direction? And do I see that those decisions, as benign as they may seem, are actually putting me on the path of foolishness? And, and, and do you see what I've done? You see, I've just kind of be, I've begun to just slow down and enter into these Proverbs and, and to begin to wrestle with the truth that is communicated and then begin to wrestle with, okay, so what does that mean in my life? And what I'm inviting you to do is is to do this through the series. What I'm inviting you to do do in in your families is, you know, in kind of age-appropriate ways, maybe have conversations about the verses that we're talking about or just raising one parable or a proverb and say, hey, what do you think? Let's talk about, what does this imagery mean? What do you think the truth is that we need to grab hold of? And the promise of the book of Proverbs is this, as we we do that, as we enter into these Proverbs, as we take seriously the truth that they are communicating, we will grow in wisdom. So again, Lady Wisdom, she looks at you, she looks at me, and she says, the table's been prepared. The meal's hot, the door is open. Come in and join me. Come in and leave your simple ways. And as you do, you will develop wisdom for life. Let's pray together. Gracious God, as we uh, begin this series, uh, we're kind of confronted with this powerful image of Scripture this image of wisdom, and we're confronted with the truth that there's a there really is a design to the world in which you create, a design that affects how we relate to you, a design that reflects really how we relate to other people. And I pray over the next few weeks, as we kind of look at different dimensions of that design and different different dimensions of the skill sets of wisdom, that we're going to be open to kind of what you want to teach us. We're going to be open to kind of just just wrestling with these Proverbs and the, the truth that they communicate and, and just beginning to say, okay, so what, this, what does this look like in my life? And how might this change my attitudes or my engagement, my conversation? How might this impact my family or how I approach my work or school? I pray we're going to be open to that because I pray that we hear the invitation from wisdom to come in, to sit down, Because what you are offering to us is nothing less than the wisdom to live life well. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you for joining us as we begin this series, and even now as we start engaging this, if there are ways we can pray with you, maybe areas in your life that we can pray for you, and you say, this is where I'm kind of wrestling with developing wisdom. If if there are ways in which we can pray with you, I'm going to invite members of our prayer team uh, to come on down, and we're going to be here at the front, and so just give us the opportunity to pray with you, because we want to be an encouragement to you in this journey of developing wisdom. So now as you go, I pray you would hear the invitation of wisdom once again. The table's been set. The meal is hot. Leave your simple ways. Come on in and develop wisdom for life. Amen.